Welcome to the weekly Comic Web Old Time Radio Program podcast. We sell old time radio programs, Golden Age comics in PDF format, and we have other free podcasts. Visit comicweb.com for more information or find us on Facebook and iTunes. This week we have three episodes of The Ghost Corps. It's a serialized adventure story of international spies. Each episode is about 12 minutes long and it ends on a cliffhanger. Sorry about that. And to be honest, I'm not sure when it first aired. of Nana Saib, a story of freelance diplomacy, intrigue, and mystery in the Far East. To engage in a forlorn hope, fraught with grave risk and untold peril, to stand with their backs against a wall, grimly fighting against overwhelming odds in defense of a lost cause, is seemingly the breath of life to certain venturesome souls. Born every so often, their peculiar fascination for hazardous undertakings in strange, out-of-the-way corners of the earth passes far beyond the comprehension of the normal mind. Such a man is K.C. Smith. Thoroughly versed in Eastern dialects and customs, his haunts are the forbidden places of Oriental temples and mosques, or in the bazaars. Night may find him garbed as a true believer, worshipping at the feet of some hideous idol, or lying in the shadow of a caravanserai, listening for bits of information which may be useful to the ghost corps, that mystery-shrouded organization of freelance diplomats operating throughout the Near and Far East. Tonight... We find K.C. Smith and his chief, C.D. Baker, strolling through the Carnel Khalili, the great market center of Cairo and headquarters of the silk and carpet merchants. Any special idea in your mind, K.C., in coming to the Carnel Khalili this evening? No, nothing in particular, Baker. Only it's the greatest place in Cairo to pick up stray bits of information, if one knows how to listen. Of course, but I had an idea your chief sources of information were the mosques and native sarai. And the bazaars, chief. Don't overlook the bazaars. Merchants from all over the east come here to display and sell their wares and... Well, look there, for instance, that rug market. You'll find rugs and carpets from all over the east. Arabia, Persia, Afghanistan, even China. <laughs> and perhaps a bit of information we might find useful. Shall we go in? If you like. Now, there's something you don't often see in the Cairo markets, Chief. An auction. This rare rock, ladies and gentlemen, is said to have belonged to a great Raj of India. A work of art. We'll make beads, please. One hundred piastres. One hundred piastres. Who will be two hundred? Funny-looking prayer rug, Casey. Nothing symmetrical in the pattern. A hundred piastres? Why, that's twenty shillings. More than it's worth. <laughs> One of my countrymen bidding, no doubt. I will bid 200 piastres for the rug. 200 piastres. Ladies and gentlemen, if a Hindu bid 200 piastres, it is an indication of the value of the rug. But it is not enough. I must hear more. 250. 300 piastres. 300 piastres. That Hindu boosting the bids evidently is interested in the rug. He's a rum-looking fellow. Do you recognize the caste mark tattooed on his forehead? No. He's not a Brahmin or a follower of Vishnu or Shiva. Sinister face, eh? Yes, the right eyebrow missing gives him that one-sided, leering expression. Listen. I will bid 600 piastres. By Jove, 
600 piastres for a piece of carpet not worth 20 shillings. Thank you, sir. It's the BD 600 piastres. Ladies and gentlemen, do I hear seven, seven, seven? Six fifty, six fifty. Six hundred, six hundred. Who will give me seven? At six hundred, the rug will go to the sahib there. Is that all? Six hundred. Well, wait a minute, Ibib. Let's have a close-up of that carpet, Baker. Come on, this begins to look interesting. Don't be an ass, Casey. The thing isn't worth ten shillings. I never knew you to go in for this sort of thing. Oh, yeah, there's always got to be a first time, Baker. <laughs> Perhaps my interest in prayer rugs has only been dormant. I'm playing a hunch. Yeah, look at this pattern. Never saw anything like it. Those curious figures at intervals all along that tangled web of lines. Well, if that's a pattern... Well, no pattern at all. Baker, there's something funny about this carpet. I have a hunch it's a, it's a map of some sort. I'm going to have the thing. Got any money with you? <laughs> Your hunch is going to cost you something, my friend. However, go ahead. The auctioneer will take my check. Come, Effendi. The BD 600 piaster. You have examined the rock? You will beat seven? 650. 700. Uh, 750. 850 piasters. 900. I beat 1,000 piasters for the rug. Eleven hundred. That's enough, you idiot. Twenty pounds for a bit of carpet that you can get anywhere for a tenth of that. He's reached his limit. Look at his face. Eleven hundred piaster for the rug. Praise Allah. There are some who appreciate the value of ancient art. You will be twelve, sahib. I relinquish the rug to the sahib. I do not care to go beyond his bid. Thank you, Bardur. Let's get back to my rooms in the Hotel de Nil, chief. I want to look at this thing under a magnifying glass. Come on. I still think you might as well have thrown your money in the city canal for all the good that ridiculous bit of carpet will ever do you. I... <laughs> okay, Chief, okay. I've bought something I've no earthly bit of use for, as you think. <laughs> I told you I was playing a hunch, and as you know, I seldom go wrong in my hunches. But great Scott, man, 1,100 piastres. Look, Baker, if the rug's worth that much to our Hindu friend, there's a darn good reason for it. I'm going to find out somehow where he comes in. Ali! Did you call, Cassie? Bring me a bottle of that old wine we got the other day. Yes, Cassie. Now, Baker, look through this magnifying glass here. If these lines and crosses in the pattern were drawn on paper, what would you say they were? Hmm, well, uh, possibly a map of some sort. Oh, the lines might be highways, roads, and trails, eh? And the crosses and dots... Cities, villages, or even mountains or hills. And what particular spot in India, or whatever country in the Orient that thing came from, would that be a chart of? Or, um, <laughs> perhaps your hunch doesn't go so far. Perhaps it does. There is one at the outer door, Kasi, who demands admittance. He comes to speak with his sahib who today purchased a prayer rug in the Kanel Kalili. Ah, a Hindu Ali with a... A uh, strange mark tattooed on his forehead? On the right eyebrow missing? Yes, Cassie. Ah, you see, Baker? Perhaps the thing's beginning to work out. Uh, show him in, Ali. Aye, Cassie. Must have followed us from the bazaar. How else would he know where to look for you? Here he is. The Bada Ram Das Sneep Salam, Sai. Salam, Bada. Salam, Das Bada. 
These sahibs will pardon the intrusion. I come to speak of the little rug the presence bought early this evening. Oh, be seated, sahib. Uh, the wine, Ali. None I... for me, thank you, sahib. I shall explain my presence as briefly as possible, as the hour is late and I do not wish to disturb the sahib. Oh, no intrusion, Bardur, and no need for haste. Well, what can I do for you? You, uh, mentioned the, uh, rug? The rug, sahib, yes. It was woven by an ancestor of mine. It has been in my family for many years. Some time ago it was stolen. I had it traced here to the Kahan El Kahalili, where the sahib purchased it over my bead. Oh, I see. And uh, now... Uh... The presents paid 1,100 piaster for it. I offer double the amount if the sahib will return the rug to me, its rightful owner. 2,200 piastres for a bit of old carpet? Uh, the sahib does not understand... Intrinsically, the rug is worth perhaps 50 to 75 piastres. As an heirloom, it is priceless to me. Oh, of course, of course. And therefore, 2,200 is far too much to pay for the rug. You see, Bahadur, my hobby is the collecting of ancient prayer rugs at any price. I have a great many of them in my, uh, in my home in the United States. This one appeals to me because it's so entirely different from any I've yet seen. Yes, you see, he admires the uh, the strange pattern. Oh, yes, yes, that pattern. Uh, one might even imagine it to resemble a, a chart of some sort. <laughs> uh, perhaps hidden treasure, you know. Yes, such as a great cache of ivory hidden somewhere in Central Africa. Or a hoard of gold and jewels buried by the weaver of the carpet in some spot in the Afghan hills beyond the Khyber Pass. Or in the mountains of Nepal. I assure you, gentlemen, there is no secret chart of buried treasure concealed in the pattern of that rug. However, you will not consider my offer of 2,200 piastres? <laughs> Why, I'm extremely sorry, Bahadur, but you see, a, a hobby... I understand. I am sorry I cannot offer more. Oh, it isn't the money. I'd, I'd have gone much higher in my bids to get this particular piece... Well, you see, it's it's a hobby. Then there is no further reason for me to remain here. Sahib, I bid you gentlemen good night. Uh, salam, Ramdas Bahadur. Uh, Ali! Yes, Kasi. Ali, uh, show the gentleman out. I see. Again, gentlemen, salam. 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 One moment, friend Ali. You could use money, a great deal of money. One is never unwilling to gather ripe fruit, Saeed. Oh, good. Then listen. The little rug your master purchased today, I will give you 50 piastres if you place the rug in my hands tonight. 50 piastres? It is a deal of money, Saeed. Yet not enough to compensate me for the loss of a good position. A hundred. A thousand piastres would not compensate me for the loss of so excellent a master, O liberal one. Uh, you are a fool and have missed a good bargain. Open the door, then, that I may leave. As Ali turned his back to open the outer door, Ramdas snatched up a heavy bronze vase from a nearby stand. With a powerful swing, he crashed it down on Ali's unsuspecting head. Quickly, Ramdas opens the door, looks out into the dim corridor, and motions to two white-robed figures waiting in the shadows across the hall. 
Quickly they gather the unconscious Ali up in their arms and make their way swiftly, silently down the corridor toward the rear stairs. Ramda slips back into the anteroom and softly closes the door. of Nana Saib, a story of freelance diplomacy, intrigue, and mystery in the Far East. Casey Smith, member of the mystery-shrouded organization operating throughout the Far East and known as the Ghost Corps, buys a curious prayer rug at an auction at the rug market in Cairo. The evident interest displayed in the bit of carpet by Ram Das, a strange and sinister-appearing Hindu, arouses Casey's curiosity and suspicion, and he overbids the Hindu. Later in his apartment at the Hotel du Nil, Casey and his chief, C.D. Baker, become convinced that in the rug's strange pattern is concealed a secret map. Ram Dass presents himself and offers to buy the rug. Casey refuses to part with it, and the Hindu leaves. In the anteroom, he overpowers Ali, Casey's Arab friend and assistant, and has him carried off to a secret rendezvous. Ram Dass conceals himself in Casey's apartment, awaiting the departure of C.D. Baker who, with Casey, is discussing the visit of the strange Hindu. <laughs> of all the unmitigated liars, Casey, you win the belt. Your home in the States filled with <laughs> prayer rugs. Your grand passion. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a case of he who lies last lies best, eh? The yarn that fellow spun about the rug being stolen from him was almost a masterpiece itself. I had to go him one better or give up the rug. I think you were a fool not to have accepted his offer. 2,200 piastres for a rug not worth 10 shillings? If it's worth 2,200 to our friend of the missing eyebrow and the funny cast mark, it is to me. But he knows the secret and you don't. And I don't see how on earth you're going to decipher it. I'll dig it out some way. And what good'll it do you? You aren't fool enough to go chasing all over the Orient, trying to match up the chart, if it proves to be one, with some section of some country. It's too long a shot, Casey. What's got into you? Oh, I... I don't know. All I know is that the thing grips my interest, devilishly. When I touch this rug, something... something curious, like an electric shock, seems to flow from it into my, my hands, my arms. It's, it's almost as if the thing were trying to impart something to me. An occult warning or, or a promise. Oh, nonsense. You're talking rubbish. You've been working too hard. What you need is a vacation. Huh. Right, Baker. <laughs> oh, skip it. I'm all right. Hope so. Well, I wish you luck with your prayer rug. I'm going home. See you at headquarters tomorrow? Yes. Uh, Ali, perhaps I'll take your advice and let Ram Dass have the rug. Ali! Where the devil is he? Oh, never mind. He's probably down in the Sarai on the corner. Natives like their coffee and gossip, you know. How well I know. Well, see you tomorrow. All right. Good night, Chief. <laughs> <laughs> 
If you run into Ali downstairs, send him up, will you? All right. Good night, Casey. Good night. Absently, Casey fills a glass with wine from the decanter placed on the table by Ali. He drinks, glances curiously at the glass, and setting it down, picks up the rug. He drops into a chair with a bit of carpet draped across his knees. Suddenly, with a slight exclamation, he makes an effort to rise. A heavy, overpowering weakness dooms the effort. Dark clouds float before his eyes. He tries to speak, to call Ali. His desire to struggle surrenders to a deep feeling of lassitude. Meanwhile, Ali, still unconscious from the blow dealt him by Ramdas, lies on a cot in a dark rear chamber in a small house near the mosque El Asra. Presently, his eyes open. He stares around him uncertainly. Through a partly open door, bright light patterns a yellow square on a worn carpet. From the lighted chamber comes the sound of voices. It is time, Rao, for the master to return. We have waited long. He will return when his work is finished. I appeared. I am glad our part was done so easily. I only hope the master did not strike hard enough to kill the Arab dog in there. Listen, someone is coming. Mm. Uh, it will be the master. It is time. Ah. ah, you have been long, master. Was there trouble? No. I was forced to wait until the sahib's friend left and until the drugged wine took effect. And the rug? Is here, of course. The Arab servant, where is he? There, in the next room, still unconscious. <laughs> you struck hard, master. And now? We leave here at once. There is a train for Alexandria within the hour. Tomorrow night, I leave Alexandria for Karachi by plane. You and Mustafa will travel by boat. We return to Kundra at once? Yes, get there without delay. I shall be there long before you arrive. I will do nothing until you arrive. And the rug, master? You will return it to Lakshmini? I am no fool, Mustafa, who gives up the goose with the golden egg. We have gone to too much trouble and expense in tracing it to give it up so easily. The Rani Lakshmini will be told the rug could not be found. And she will believe Ramdas. I priest of Vishnu and a trusted advisor. <laughs> and if the sahib from whom you took the rug thinks to follow... He will not find the forbidden city of Kundra. It is too well hidden in our Himachal Mountains. However, I shall take steps to prevent such an attempt. Then our work is finished here. And what of the Arab in there? Leave him. Once we are away from this house and out of the city, we will have little to fear. We are ready, then. Our belongings? There, beside the door. We have been prepared to leave at the moment's notice, as you directed. Come, then, and make haste. It is I, Ali. Uh, uh, Ali. Well, don't slap my head off. What's the matter? The rug, Gassi. Ramdas has stolen the rug. Ramdas? The rug? Yes, the prayer rug. 
Ram Dass, the Hindu dog, has stolen the prayer rug. Oh. My head feels like a blimp. Give me some water, Ali. I must have been chewing cotton. Here, Master. That's better. Now tell me what... I passed out completely a few minutes ago. Cassie, look, it is near morning. You have been under the influence of drugged wine since 11 o'clock last night. Drugged wine? Who? Ram Das. As I went before him to the outer door, he struck me from behind, and I knew no more until I came to in a strange room. Ah. Well, that accounts for this awful taste in my mouth. How the devil did he drug the wine, and when? When he left this room. If you will recall, he paused a moment there beside the table to light a cigarette. The decanter of wine stood beneath his hand. Ah, Joe. Clever. And Baker and I never took our eyes off him as long as he was in this room. I also watched and was blind. We are children, Cassie. Ah, getting old, losing our grip. Baker was right. We need a vacation. Well, what happened to you? Where'd they take you? To a house near the mosque El Ashra. Good Lord, way over there? Yes. I watched through a crack in the door and listened to the talk of two men in an adjoining room. Then Ramdas came. Under his arm, he carried the rug. He told of how he had drugged the wine, overpowered me, and taken the rug when C.D. Baker left, and you slept. How'd you get away? I suppose the fools did not wish to add murder to robbery. However, they left, believing me still unconscious from the blow Ram Das gave me here. They ran like the jackals they are, yeah. leaving the house to me. Oh, lucky they didn't slit your throat. Their plans, you, you heard? Aye. They go to India, to Kathmandu, thanks to Kundra, a forbidden city somewhere in the Himalaya mountains. Yeah, and Ram Das, who is he, did you learn? From their talk, I gathered that he is a high priest of Vishnu. Uh, with that mark on his forehead? I doubt it, but go on. He is also... The trusted advisor of Lakshmini, the Rani of Kundra. Hmm. There's a Hindu legend dealing with a prayer rug that once belonged to the Raja Nana Sahib. I recall vague parts of it. Well, you wouldn't know about that, though. <laughs> Some 70 years ago, during the War of Rebellion in India, Nana Sahib, to escape the vengeance of the British for the massacre of Cawnpore, fled into the Himalaya mountains taking with him certain of his followers and a great fortune in gold and jewels. Well, I'll be done. He established a city which has never been found, nor has Nana Sahib ever been heard of or seen since. His hoard of gold and jewels is said to be hidden somewhere in the mountains near this city. Uh, does the story sound familiar, Cassie? <laughs> you son of a gun. Well, how the devil did you... Well, go on, go the, on. The location of the treasure cave he had woven into the pattern of a prayer rug, which eventually came into the possession of a strange Rani. This woman is said to be the granddaughter of Nana Saib and the present ruler of Kundra, the Forbidden City. The rug was stolen from her when she was a child. The treasure has never been found because those who have since possessed the rug were unable to fathom its secret. That, Cassie, is the tale of Nana Saib's prayer rug, as I have often heard it. Ali, my friend, you're a wonder. That's the story right enough. Where did you hear it? In the days of my youth, I spent some time in Bombay, Calcutta, and various cities of northern India. You speak the language, Urdu? Yes, Kasi. Look, Ali, look. You saw that prayer rug I bought. I... Could it be possible that the one of the legend and the one I had are the same? Conceivable, at least. 
Else why should Ram Das go to such lengths to gain possession of it? Exactly my thought. Ram Das, that strange cast mark on his forehead. And the missing eyebrow which gives to his face a most sinister expression. But what connection can he have with your rug or the legend? I wonder. Call the office downstairs and give them C.D. Baker's number. Tell them to get him on the phone for me. I see. It is not more than three o'clock. The C.D. will be asleep. All right, all right. Wake him up. At once, Kasi. And Ali. Yes, Papi. As soon as you place the call, pack our bags. We're taking the morning plane for Alexandria and Karachi. of Nana Saib, a story of freelance diplomacy, intrigue, and mystery in the Far East. At an auction in the Khan El Khalili, K.C. Smith, Ghost Corps operative, buys a curious prayer rug by overbidding Ram Das, a mysterious Hindu. Later in his apartment in the Hotel du Nil, K.C. and his chief, C.D. Baker, become convinced that the strange pattern of the rug conceals a map. Ram Das presents himself with an offer to purchase the rug, which Casey refuses. Overpowered by followers of the Hindu, Ali is taken to a house in the native quarter. Ram Das steals the prayer rug, follows his men to their rendezvous, where Ali overhears them discussing plans for an immediate departure. Ali escapes, returns to the hotel, and upon awakening Casey from a drugged sleep, tells Casey what he has heard. He further astounds him by relating the legend of Nana Sahib's prayer rug. Believing the stolen rug and the one of the legend to be the same, Casey decides to follow Ram Das to India. Arriving in Alexandria by plane, we find Casey and Ali in their rooms in the majestic hotel, impatiently awaiting the arrival of his fellow American, Don Grant, a Ghost Corps operative stationed in Alexandria. If Ram Das and his men made the trip down by train as they planned, we're ahead of them, Ali. Which would save us a long chase to Kundra if we can stop them here. Right. Better go over to the railway station and wait for that Cairo train. It's due in half an hour. See if they're on that one. I'll wait here for Grant. Very well, Cassie. There's Grant now. Come in, Grant. Well, what do you want? My come talkie-talkie, master. A Chinese, Cassie? We have several in the corps. Don't know of any down here, though. Keep your eyes open. What name belong you, boy? My Hippley. My come from Master Grant. From Grant, eh? Oh, come in, Lee. How fashion you want to talkie-talkie me? You may dispense with the pigeon, honorable sir. I bring word from my master regarding the plane he has chartered for you. You're a member of the, uh... You're a member of our organization? I am the voice from the grave and cast no shadow. A voice from the grave, eh? Oh, your number? K... Two, one. (laughs) 
K21. And, uh, and your message? I come to warn you. The plane you have chartered is being watched by followers of Ram Das. So, fast and clever work, eh, Ollie? I can see. If you take that plane, your description will precede you to Karachi. Naturally. Anything else? I have a plane ready and waiting at the opposite end of the city. I am a pilot, and I am to fly you to Karachi. Fine, fine. Grant certainly is on the job. When do we leave? When you are ready. Right. Oh, uh, by the way, why didn't Grant come himself? He is being watched and did not wish to lead certain men to this hotel. I see. I see. Oh, Shai Kaima? Chinese, master. Grant did not tell me you spoke our language. <laughs> he should have. For your sake, my friend. Get him, Ali. Oh, 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 oh. Ah, all right, Ali. All right. Now, Mr. Hip Lee, we'll get down to business. Your pidgin English is passable, but your makeup's lousy. You don't even understand Cantonese, and you're not a member of the Ghost Corps. You don't know the formula. Who are you? Okay, I know I'm not a member of your gang. So what? You're doing the talking. Who hired you to lead us on this wild goose chase? Try and find out. Where's Grant? Never heard of him. Ever spend any time in an Arab jail? Hey, you can't do that to no. me. I... Grant! Great Scott, man, what happened to you? You look as though you'd tangled with a buzzsaw. Yeah, a little argument with Sagon Charlie and his gang. Well, hey, that bird. Where'd you get him, Casey? Why, he... Say, I'm going to take a poke at him oh, just for luck. take it easy, Don. Hmm. Apparently you know this gentleman. One of Sagon Charlie's gang. A bum that picks up odd jobs. Dirty jobs at a price. His name is Hipley. Hipley, eh? Oh, ho, ho, I see. Accept my apologies, Mr. Hipley, for my doubtful reception of your name. Oh, nuts. <laughs> but you, Don... How the devil did you let him get you down? Oh, I must have been asleep. I got your wire around four this morning. Went out and chartered a plane, as you directed. On my way back, this tramp and a half a dozen others jumped me in the dark. They locked me up in one of Sagon Charlie's back rooms in his waterfront gin mill. I had to tear the joint down to get out. <laughs> I'm sorry I missed the excitement. What happened to Sagon Charlie? Uh, he and half his crowd are in the hospital. The rest in jail. They'll be out of circulation for the next 60 days. That's a good idea. I think we'll let Ali turn our friend Mr. Hip Lee over to the native police. Make the charge... Well, leave that to me. I'll see he's well taken care of. Your friend can take him down, and I'll follow up as soon as I've seen you off. I'll prefer charges. All right. Oh, by the way, Don, this is Ali, my good friend and assistant. On the Corps' roster, he's G7. Grant Effendi, Ali. I'm glad to know you, Ali. Say, uh, take this bird down and ask for Mustafa. Uh, tell him to hold Hipley for me. And don't forget the railway station on your way back, Ollie. Hearing is obeying, Cassie. And now thou lying dog, come with Ollie. One false move, thou scum of the gutter, and thy neck shall pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> Ollie will take care of him. Right now he's hoping Hipley will try to get away. If he does, he'll end up in the hospital with Sagon Charlie. Hey, what's it all about, Casey? You're not taking charge in Karachi. Oh, no. Now the uh, <laughs> chief thinks I'm losing my grip. <laughs> Need a vacation. I took him up. <laughs> Casey Smith losing his grip and taking a vacation in India. It's a lousy story. It's a good story, Don. <laughs> well, it's a matter of pride or... Uh, well, maybe I'm accepting a challenge. 
Anyway, I'm, I'm following a mysterious Hindu to Karachi. Unless we can stop him here. Hindu, huh? Would he travel by plane? From here to Karachi? Yes, possibly. Coming in on the three o'clock train this morning from Cairo. If he's on that train, Ollie will stop him. Say, he doesn't happen to be a Gurkha with one eyebrow missing and a queer cast hey, mark. Scott Don, you know him? Well, if he's your man, he's got to jump on you for several hours. I've seen him. To jump on me? Impossible. Well, the train's not due for half an hour look, yet. Look, when I went out to charter your ship, shortly after four, a special job came in from Cairo with your friend as the only passenger. By Christopher, well, well, does it well. fit anywhere? When I got to the airport, Stegon Charlie was there. He heard me charter the plane in your name. When your Hindu landed, he and Charlie had their heads together for 10 or 15 minutes. Charlie left, and the Hindu piled into another plane and took off right away. Then mm. he chartered that relay by wire from Cairo before he left there. Changed his plans all around. He left here when? Oh, about 4.30. Mm. Better than eight hours ahead of me, eh? Why didn't you tip me off in your wire? I'd have stopped him. <laughs> they almost stopped you, Don. Yeah, the lice. But if you'd tipped me off, I'd have stayed awake, been prepared. He's ours. Hmm. And from Karachi, he'll probably take another plane to Delhi, Lucknow, or Patna. Hmm. What kind of ship do you get for me? A Handley Page. She's fast. Good. Here, you take my bag, I'll take Ollie's, and we'll pick him up at the railway station. Come on, let's go. Your friend Hipley knew all about your chartering the plane for me. Came at me with a tale about us being watched. Hey, what do you think, Don? Probably is, eh? Yeah, it would have been, you mean, if Charlie and half his crew weren't in the hospital and the rest in jail. I helped that much anyway. <laughs> right, I'd forgotten. Hey, hold that taxi about. Yeah, the railway station first, then the Decala Airport. Get in, Don. Hey, hold it. Here comes your man, Ollie. Oh, hurry it up, Ollie. I've got your bag. The two men arrived by train, Cassie, without Ram Das. I know, I know. Get in, Ollie. I can see. All right, Hamal. The Decala Airport and fast. Ramdas changed his plans, Ali. Came down to Cairo by plane and relayed out early this morning. He's ahead of us by about eight hours. Our plane's ready, Don? Charter for 2 p.m. They'll be warming her up. It's after one now. Hmm. 2,500 miles airline to Karachi. 18 hours. Well, with good weather and luck, we ought to land there about 7 tomorrow morning. The Handley Page is fast, Casey. 200 miles cruising speed. You ought to pick up some time on the way. You took care of uh, Hipley, Ollie? Mustafa Bey, or Bendy, is a man of great intelligence and remarkably quick understanding. <laughs> he is? Mustafa will hold that bird till he rots if I forget to show up. Good. Too bad we haven't time to find a nice secluded spot for those two men around that. <laughs> I took the precaution to point them out to the native police at the railway station. I believe they will be held with the man Hipley for Grant Effendi. <laughs> <laughs> good work, good work. You don't miss any bets, do you, Ollie? Uh, how long are you going to be gone, Casey? Well, Baker gave us 60 days leave. If we're not back by then, <laughs> you can turn down two empty glasses. <laughs> And take both our names off the Ghost Corps roster. <laughs> oh.
Well, here we are. And there's your ship warming up. Cassie. Look. Is that not a sergeant and constable of Colonial Police there beside the plane? Where? Oh. I wonder what they're doing here. Coming directly toward us as though they had something important on their minds. Funny. They seem interested in us. New men, too. I, I don't remember seeing either of them before. No? Well, here they come. And there's only one way for us to find out, Grant. Come on. The Ghost Corps program had international adventure and flair, not ghosts and horror. To be honest, I don't know much about this program other than to say that the production quality is pretty good and it's got one of the best titles in all of old-time radio. Unfortunately, the title is so evocative that almost everyone thinks it will be a great ghost story, horror, inner sanctum kind of program. Unfortunately, it just isn't. The stories featured an intrepid band of freelance international diplomats banding together to investigate the unknowable, to discover the mysterious, to find romance and adventure. This short-lived program featured secret transnational organizations, a small group of adventurers, all with code names, of course, and secrets, lots and lots of secrets. A group that can arrive at any locale on Earth and then just disappear like a ghost. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.